Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast. I've got a familiar feeling flowing through my bones, but only four points could make me feel so much more frivolity. Uh, you join us as we look back on a period of, well, it's the same as last time we joined you, really, we're shit. So we've got Edie and Matthew along, um, alongside me and John, to see if we can find some positivity or maybe just dive into a bit of the negativity. Starting with you, Edie. Uh, there's a lot of talk about models. There's a lot of talk about whether or not we can ever enjoy ourselves in the Premier League. Sum up your feelings over, you know, the Christmas period into the New Year period and how we seem to be treading water. Yeah, I think, well, it, all of the changes that, that done occurred, um, uh, everyone was very much like something must be done um, uh, and then something was done and then it's it's like a kind of... There was, I think, everyone thought, much as they did during the 2016 referendum, that that some sort of dramatic change was better than sticking with what we had. Um, and I, th- I think it, it's at the moment still. I'm probably repeating myself, but just this sort of hodgepodge of people popping in and out, trying their best, maybe not trying their best, being someone else being popped in, someone else getting injured. Um, and it just it just feels like nothing I can wrap my head around as, as like a whole. If I was to hover up above it, I still can't make sense of any of it. And I know there's going to be all sorts of, of like, I don't know what else they can do really at, at this stage. Um, the transfer window is largely closed in terms of has never been open for Norwich. And at, at least I can say yesterday's game was not smelly. That's That's my... Big positive headline. Okay, so Matthew, building on Hodgepodge City and yesterday's game not being smelly, let's look at the West Ham performance in inverted commas. Um, Are you feeling more positive now we've got a couple of the injuries uh, or injury player injured players back? Uh, Or yeah, yeah, where where are you at, Matthew? I I mean, more positive than I was after watching the the Arsenal game. Um, it is obviously better that we've got Rashica back and Puki. I thought had a better game, but across the field, we're not good enough to beat fifteen or sixteen of the teams in the Premier League, and that's not going probably not going to change dramatically between now and the end of the season. So, you know, we had a, we we played better last night. But we we played well enough to beat Man United and and couldn't. We played well enough to beat Burnley, if you remember back to that game, and didn't. And it's just not we're not we're not good enough, and that's really grim and it's annoying and it's depressing. But um, I think that's probably the reality of what this how this season is going to end. We just have to trudge through the rest of it before we get that confirmed. Well, John, trudge is a fantastic word that Matthew's used there. Um, we'll we'll drill into specifically. Um, the the transfer window in in a second and 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 also um, you know like I said the the model of, of the ownership that we've got but just give us a quick overview what are the headlines of of how things are at Punt HQ in terms of positivity or, or where you think we're at um, it's all pretty grim I think look there was a little bit more purpose to, to last night's performance and I was lucky enough to not watch it all because I was at my daughter's um, football training instead and that was infinitely more enjoyable but the highlights that I have caught um, it looks like there was a bit more purpose about our play it looked like there was a bit more zip and that's the tricky thing for me is that you know 
I don't think all hope is lost because there are four dreadful teams in this division at the moment. And, you know, look, it's still entirely plausible that we could be um, the best of those four absolutely shite Teams. Is it plausible? And on yeah, what yeah, basis is. is it plausible? I think it is. So, so I'm not. It's a long shot. Um, but what I would say is that actually, look, there was mitigation around the the five, six, seven game winless streak that we've had. In so much as, look, there's been COVID infections and big injuries to big personnel, and Norwich have a threadbare squad at the best of times. That's intentional. I don't think that they anticipated that. COVID would be as prevalent this time around, you know, and maybe that's a failure to prepare. But at the same time, you know, it it is an issue. And how unlucky are we with injuries? So I think with a fair wind, uh, I know we probably won't get necessarily into the model, if you like, and, you know, can it work and and can't it work? So I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit later. But with a fair wind and some decent recruitment, I'm not so sure that we'd we'd be as far away as perhaps we'd have liked, you know, kind of, or you know, I think we'd have probably been much closer to some teams that, than we were at the moment, but we're not. So the reality is we look devoid of confidence. We look devoid of ideas going forward. We look devoid of a midfield engine room. And, you know, maybe that's something to do with Matthias Norman as injury. But you need all three of those things to have any kind of semblance of a chance of staying in the Premier League. So we need to get that back. But I felt like... Dean Smith's arrival had kind of ignited something and we did look a bit more purposeful and we were playing with a bit more verve and and we did look like we were capable of grinding out results when we had somewhere near our best 11 or whatever that might be or you know kind of a, a fairly fit squad to choose from we were competitive against Wolves we were really competitive in the second half against Southampton we gave Manchester United a, a you know kind of a, a really decent game and all right I mean maybe the benefit of hindsight shows that 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 wasn't you know kind of pulling up any trees but at the same time we could have easily got three points in that game and then actually we're only one point off it and you know and, and everyone probably feels a bit more positive all is not lost but at the same time something needs to change really really quickly well that that's that's kind of my issue with um the the, the positivity of feeling like um because I I keep coming back to the fact that four points is so you know you can win that in a in a week in a premier league you can win that in four days in the premier league it's such a narrow margin and and if you'd have asked me in early october or um even you know mid november um how many points from safety do you think norwich will be come you know the 13th of january as we record this i probably would have taken a bit in your hand off at four you know and i'd be amazed we're within that that quality of touch and distance uh, and it would make me think that you know, the teams around us must have continued their poor form which they have um my, my my issue is with the very last thing you said john which is you know things need to change and that's that's where i have the real struggle um I, I think that taking taking uh, the context of COVID and um, injuries aside, even even knowing that financially we are uh, we spent as much as we thought we could at the start of the season, and yes, it makes sense to try and spend as much as you can rather than save some for halfway through. Um, even with that in mind, the point is we do still have players. We have players that we could get fees for. Um, you need to change something. We keep getting told that that football is like a business when it suits the club to tell us that the football is like a business or when it suits, it's not Norwich's fault. Whenever, whenever football club 
whenever a football club has to make a difficult decision or a decision that they think might not be <clears throat> might not make the fans happy they kind of lean on the analogy that yeah but we are a business so sometimes you have to make difficult business decisions i love it when a football club does that because that's actually where i can start to say right well I'll, i can scrutinize this because i've i've worked in businesses i run businesses so i understand business probably a lot better than i understand running a football club because i've never done that so i love it when they use the business analogy and in that in that kind of analogy and in that world where we're thinking of Norwich City Football Club as a business, um, in which business would you have, for example, a sales team that cannot convert the opportunities that are brought to them or a marketing team that are not generating enough um, opportunities for that sales team to close? So if you look, as someone tweeted it um, only a little while ago, um, and I quote, quote tweeted effectively exactly this, which is that, um, you know, since Norwich last scored a Premier League goal, um, Everton have scored eight, Watford have scored four, Newcastle scored four, etc. We are not creating enough good chances. We are not converting those chances. That is so plainly obvious to see. I mean, I watched them um, um, more than the game last night than I would have liked to. Unfortunately, my eldest does football on Thursdays and Saturdays, so I didn't have an excuse. Um, and it was really, it was frustrating how plainly the the commentary team who I actually thought did a really you know even handed job on it um the, the the ones that I got on on what I was watching um effectively saying Norwich is so so easy to deal with in um in attack that the final ball is so devoid of quality um Eda had a couple of um well he had a purple patch just before he was taken off which is a bizarre decision so unless there was <clears throat> he was on a limited number of minutes that he the the, the, the team said that he was allowed to do or whatever I don't know because medical team maybe said that he wasn't able to do 75 minutes because he looked like the one team one player was leading the charge but but aside of that it was it was just so obvious that we we are so easy to play against we're so easy to defend against we don't create the right frequency of chances and again going back to the business analogy you simply can't run a business making the same mistake again and expecting um or rather do do what's not working and expect it to just suddenly change overnight. If we continue with the personnel that we've got, and I know we might get a couple back, but you know, other than Norman, um, I'm not. You know, Campwell hasn't really done it when he's been in, and there's, you know, you know, we know that there's there's there's, there's issues outside of that from a relationship point of view between the club and and the, the player. And I'm on the side of the player, and 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 you know, I don't care what anyone else thinks. From the information I've got, I'm on the side of the player on that one. Um, it is. So who else is, is kind of waiting in the wings to suddenly come back? Rashica had a bit of an impact, although he wasn't great last night. A couple of really poor mishit passes, which is why I think he got hooked. Um, you know, just not looking up, just playing the ball willy-nilly into midfield and it going straight to one of their defenders. I thought West Ham were excellent in the midfield last night. Um, so, yeah, I, I, can't, I just can't see without changing it personnel-wise why it isn't. And that might mean that you have to sell someone who is one of our better players in order to get... Um, a loan fee available or send back and cancel a loan that we've got in order to to, to use that slot elsewhere, um, sell a good player and buy two medium players. Because I literally just think if you stick with what we've got, when we are still so feasibly close, you know, from a logistical point of view, the number of points we need currently to, to keep pace with the number of games that are left, this is the type of window where twisting is exactly what you should do. We're not 19 points adrift. You know, it isn't, it's not miles away. And actually, defensively, we do actually look better, I think, this time than last time we were up. Um, yes, we concede goals every week, 
And I know that there was the 5-0 and that was that was abysmal and you know, off days happen and what have you. But I do think generally we do seem slightly more, slightly harder to score against. Only slightly, but it's slightly, be- slightly better than it was last time we were up. So how you can't think we need another attacking midfielder, a 10 or someone in, in the three behind, how you can think we can't, we don't bring in someone else to challenge Pookie, play alongside Pookie, be an alternative to Ida. I just, I we, can't see how that is logical that you can we, we, do that. We do have to do that. We do have to do that, Tom. And and you're right. You know, we, we as fans say to the players, win, lose or draw, what we want to see is fight. And that's how I feel about this transfer window. We might be going down, but if we are, I don't want it to be because we were too cautious in this window, but because we 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 did what we could to go at it. Now we might we don't have loads of money lying around in order to to do that. I'm not saying that we want Delia to mortgage all her houses or whatever. You know we have to be to some extent realistic. But the answer is in what you just said. Cantwell isn't playing for us anymore. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't want to, or he can't, or, or what, for whatever. I don't have the sources that you have, but either way, I can see with my own eyes that he is not playing for us. Therefore, we should cash in. I'd be quite happy, as much as I'd hate to lose Max, I'd be quite happy in order to generate some cash because we have to do something in this window. And in order to do that, we have to sell. And Cantwell and Max are the, are the obvious examples of, of, of what we do that. Now, if we do that and then we go down, then fine. I'd rather that we struggled next year because we took some risks in this window but we can't just I don't want to trudge through the rest of this season any more than anyone else but it does it does require us to take some to, to take some risks let's jump to one of the questions that we got with some fantastic questions in today a really good 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 mix um and I mean the fact that things are a bit depressing and things feel a little bit um deflating um and people are maybe a little bit angry is maybe why we got so many questions that were actually really good football kind of would you rather and hypothetical questions rather than you know what's your favorite lettuce and some of the stuff we sometimes get which we enjoy but um maybe not as much as some of the better football ones um one of them john was was along the lines do do the one about um you know what would you prefer in the next two seasons because i think that's relevant to what matthew's saying there and and you saying, you know, if if we sell someone like a Max in order to to, to get a, a, a midfielder and another another defender in, or a midfielder and an attacker in, or whatever, um, then um, that means we might struggle next year if it doesn't work. I, I think we're going to struggle next year with this squad because of the how deflated and how broken the relationship is currently between the team and the players. It's going to take a lot of wins. It's going to, it's going to take a really good start to the season to get that back. Um, and I'm not sure we've got the squad currently and the, the the vibe in the squad currently to do that in the championship. So I don't actually think it's a problem risking, you know, making a big change like that f- because I think we're going to struggle next year anyway. So yeah, what was what was that question, John? So would you like me to ask the question? Yes, now? please, babe. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's from Jack Wiseman on Twitter, and he asks: Looking ahead to the next two seasons, would you rather a a barnstorming run to the championship title followed by another meek relegation, or b Two seasons of nearly, but not quite, in the championship. So you go first, Edie. I think it, 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 if there was a kind of choice of going with the, the relegation, then the barnstorming and then the, the meekness, I don't want to prefer that because it's, I don't, I'm not particularly kind of fond of this sort of reputation that Norwich has on a, on a more wider on a wider basis um, for, for doing such a thing. But maybe that's what's required just to give everyone 
uh, what's the phrase, a safe space to um, just actually build some more relationships again. And um, I, I, I remember saying at the beginning of all of this that though going up against those four big teams right at the beginning of the season might be an opportunity for bonding in loss. Um, it, obviously, clearly that's not a successful strategy. So maybe it's bonding in winning for a bit, going down the, the shallow end of the pool, splashing about a bit, getting some inflatables, then kind of slowly getting a confidence to kind of come back and yeah, be maybe be a bit mediocre again. But these things are just these this is this has the potential to be like a ten year roadmap, not just a season on season roadmap where the arrow just carries on going up and up and up. So I'm I'm happy to go back to the first chapter again. I think if even if, even knowing you can only have that if you basically let live this experience again, guaranteed next time, because yeah. that's that's the point of the would you rather yeah. like you have to ha- you have to have this empty soulless, barely raising an eyebrow when we concede a goal because it's so obvious again. I, I do sort of feel like at the moment there's a kind of lack of experience that is informing a lot of quite random hail mary decisions. So that's that's my thinking on that. Um, and I don't like it. I don't like that that's what I would choose. Um, but when you say that experience, do you mean in the leadership of the club? Because in, in your in your um, analogy, well, the, the, the option you've picked there, then it, presuming the leadership of the club is similar, um, the people making those Hail Mary decisions, that, that will then be three recruitment failures, three relegations will be on their CV. Yeah, well, in terms of, of the actual office leadership, I, I, I sort of, I don't, I don't think I have very much faith left in in that area. I'm sort of thinking more about um, human minds learning to kind of read each other's minds, if you see what I mean, because of just the amount of sort of relative strangers that are being kind of. Yeah, but again, in that in that scenario, you're right. That would be re- winning in the championship brings that together. But that's the reason I loved this this question so much is um, something you you touched on early early doors there, Edie. I'm I'm so fed up of um I'm so fed up of being sniggered at. I'm so fed up of Norwich being in the limelight if being in the limelight means that we are a laughing stock. I would I would rather be a respected I would rather be a respected top twenty nine club than a laughing stop laughing stock top twenty six club. I would much if, rather that. Because if we if because if you finish if you regularly finish just outside the playoffs for a couple of seasons, which is obviously the option, you win way more games than you lose. You get to be in the championship, which is more fun. Um, you get some awful refereeing, like genuinely dreadful refereeing, and that's kind of fun in a way. But um, didn't we do that for a bit? Didn't we bob along in the championship as a mid-table, sometimes, you know, kind of troubling eighth or ninth and for a while? Wasn't that and financially it was a, un, un, unsustainable as well? well it was, and it like was that. shit. And I kind of think, it was a it bit shit, in, but again, with it, this is the thing. Our model means both of those options and this, sustainable. This is sustainable. Yeah, and this is the, but this is why it is a beautiful question to ask. For me, I think it comes back to the principle of um, why am I a football fan? And I, there's a couple of reasons, but one of them is that you want to see your team be successful, and another one is the the community and the match day feel that going to the football brings. So the latter, I'll get that whatever. Um, so. You know, I'm, I'm happy See, in that respect. Will, but will but the, you though? Because I don't know if we've got that in the Premier the question, League. Boy. So the first, the former um, side to that is, look, I want my team to be successful. I think 
the moments that I will remember will be things like the 1819 season where we kind of romped to the title, will be when we went to Wembley and, um, and you know, kind of won in the playoffs, will be when we went to the playoff final, will be, you know, that 88-89 going back to a team that, that probably should have won the league, 92-93, you know, Bayern, Inter, they're the moments that you remember in football. I will not, well, I will remember it, but I won't fondly recall you know, the 1920 season or this season, I will just try and erase those from my memory. So I would I would much rather have a barnstorming title win and to celebrate that really hard come, you know, kind of next May and then have to put up with it for 12 months and it'd be a bit crap for 12 months. And actually, I, but I get the argument. I get the fact that people are sick of it. And for me, all right, this doesn't, you know, kind of lend itself into um, the the question, but the model that we're currently working towards is always about incremental uh, gains season on season. So every time you go up, we want to be a bit better. We want to be a bit more competitive. And that's the failure this season. I don't think you can pin the season's failure on a particular person. It's a collective failure. It's way more nuanced than, oh, we haven't got enough money or Delia's, you know, kind of not selling enough cakes or Stuart Weber got the recruitment wrong. It's a lot of those things altogether, maybe short of, I'm sure Delia sells loads of cakes. But, you know, this season is a collective failure of management, of recruitment, of desire, of foresight, of nearly fucking everything. You know, like it's been it's been really poor across the board. And I, I think we'd have had a much better fighting chance if we'd have got a few things right and we'd have been in a much better position. And that's why I don't think it's unachievable to, you know, under our current model to recruit recruit really well, have a little bit of luck, have a little bit of momentum, which I think is really important, and that we actually we could stay up off the back of it. Yeah, I, I completely agree that model wise, there is no reason it can't work. It, but you, but you can't have. I mean, I was thinking back to um, thinking back to the the, the 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 squad we had when we stayed up. That squad would never have um, stayed up with the current. Um, covid situation because the covid situation means that you um are severely tested in terms of squad depth um and momentum and um and to be honest i don't think that um you know i don't think that had it been a full season um it may well have been that that there have been other teams that have stayed up you know for for like teams like cuddersfield that have stayed up for like one season or what have you I, I just think when you when you when you need your you need maybe you've got fourteen lads who can genuinely do it at this level, um, if some of them play out of their skin and have the season of their lives, um, then you, you can't at any point have two or three of them missing through COVID or through close contact or through being pinged or whatever, because you, you just it, unlike the teams that are in the top twelve, thirteen, I mean even teams that are you know mid bottom table such as the Everton's or what have you, just the the routine spending at a Premier League level means that their 17th choice player is, you know, on wages that our top choice player is is, is aspiring to. You know, they, they just have far better... The, the dip... Yes, of course, everyone misses... Everyone is weakened by COVID and, and injury, but the drop-off from us and, and you know... So to, to drop down to, to Shemi, Shemi wouldn't get in any other Premier League squad. Bless him. He's worked... He, he, he showed some desire and has showed more design than some other players but I you know so far on what we've seen he would not be signed by an established Premier League team and so him having to play so many games I think it exactly sums up why we're struggling the fact that 
we are still within four points, John, is why you're completely right about our model being possible to work. For the number of transfers to have gone as badly wrong as they have done this season and to have had all of the COVID situation and to still be a couple of wins with other things going our way out of the relegation zone shows that it is it is feasible, it is possible. So do you want to move to the, the, the question on, on the model? The dealer out I chance at Charlton. I've got to find it, yeah. I think this is probably a better question, actually. I'll, I'll move to this one from Liz Howlett. And she says, what on earth do we and the club do to unite supporters? We've had an excellent um, and exciting times where fans were united and creative. And she kind of references the Farca rap and the nation's flags. But as she highlights, it's pretty awful at the moment. And fans are taking it out on each other and the players. Edie, where do you start with that? I, I don't really know because I'm really quite taken aback at sort of what's been happening of late that seems to relate almost to kind of, I might sound like I'm being slightly overdramatic here, but it feels like the beginning of the Norwich City culture wars. Um, there's all sorts of weird little mini rows happening here, there and everywhere. There's all sorts of people still insisting that um, some, you know, weird pawny gambling money would have saved all of our bacon and we would be top four by now had that not been the case. Um, despite the fact that if, if all the women who get sorely pissed off at matches from the behaviour of certain people around them were to not attend, um, the loss of revenue might also be quite an impact on, uh, 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 you know, club income. So, it's it's a bit of a swirl. I can't quite make sense of it. You've Dean Smith kind of talking. I, I don't know I, his comments about the the sarcasm. That was an interesting step to take. Bearing in mind this is after all Norwich, and we kind of do that sort of thing in a very lovable, deprecating way. So it. I think there's a massive uh, lack of confidence and identity that suddenly sprang up which is ironic in a year that they've unveiled a new logo. But um, something that's been obsessing me ever since they did that was just waiting to hear them say what the identity of the club is rather than this is what our graphic looks like. Oh, they have they have got some six like core values, haven't they? Have you seen those? I think they're they're printed on the inside of the, the shirt. I know growth is one of them. Yeah, that, well, what they haven't done is they, they, they ha- they've, They've printed the logos on the shirt, but they've also released a logo publicly and promoted it, even though it hasn't actually been rolled out yet. And I think that was a really that was a really interesting time to kind of stick your head above the parapets, add a parapet or two as well, and also just say, look, we've decided to have a bit of a tidy up, which is all well and good. But I've just I've never seen the rollout of a logo occur like that without some reaffirmation publicly of stating what the club is. So I think we've got like such an amazing um, amount of activity going on. We've got the Proud Canaries. We've got a lot of mental health work that's amazing. And all of that was very, very prominent maybe a year or two ago. And it just sort of feels now like there's some other voices coming up that are quite unexpected that are very much kind of like just going for Delia. That's that's really, really weird and bad because it's it's not like she's ever sought to make money off of this situation. Um, there are so many clubs that would bite her arm off 
for somebody who gave that much of themselves and their pocketbook. So it, it's, I think, one of the keys to success here, after um, a period of golden days where everyone had seemed to have a lot more cohesion and that was based on everyone telling the similar stories to each other around the campfire at the moment there's loads of random stuff and random opinions and everything's it's very noisy so do you think that's a failure of leadership from the club to kind of cultivate that culture or from fans i I don't know what the answer is here i would say i would be naughty enough to say club um just because i think so much of what you see uh, comes from the efforts of people on the ground who just love the club and they've got, they're not, they're not a stakeholder unless it's a, an emotional stakeholder. Um, I think in terms of what the club itself has put out, um, it's, it's this weird mix of, there've been quite a few missteps that kind of speak towards uh, looking at promoting the club based on very kinds of hygienic identikit commerce routes as opposed to this is a really unusual brand with a very distinct personality and how can we harness that to to grow it and and involve more people in it to make more money that's it doesn't seem to be happening with you know winter wonderlands and advent calendars and weird pawny betting sponsors well that that segues nicely into the next question that I wanted to touch on, which was from Chris Barton. And he's kind of pointed towards the fact that the blame seems to be vented towards recruitment. And there's there's people that are saying, right, Stuart Webber, you need to come forward and speak up. Um, Matthew, Chris then goes on to ask, do you think recruitment would have been much different with the BK8 funds? And would he likely throw that back at the fans as he has done before? Or is he going to use that as an excuse moving forward? Um, he's he's thrown it back at us before, and I think he, he he may well do again. And you know, to the to the last point, it's easy Edie made. It's the the the, the, <clears throat> the communications from the club is starting to feel ever so slightly Jez Moxie again. And I don't say that lightly because Jez Moxie was total nightmare. Um, but that, that that some of the moves more recently have have had that feeling, and so it wouldn't surprise me if if that was thrown back at us, but. You know, the reports from the club were that uh, cancelling that sponsorship agreement cost us somewhere between three and four million pounds. So we're talking about the difference between uh, Kabak or Aya. Aya clearly better than Kabak, but that upgrade alone being enough to, to completely change our season, not a chance. You know, if we were talking about the kind of money that would have meant that we brought in Dan Juma instead of Josh Sargent, then maybe, but even then, you know the, the the fundamental problem is that each time we get promoted to the Premier League, the amount of things that we need to go right uh, grows. We need absolutely everything to go right each time we're in the Premier League for us to survive. But the number of things that we need going right is growing and growing and growing as the top teams pull away financially, and and we're not pulling away. Uh, we're not keeping up with them. So you know the idea that BK on its own. Um, would have made any substantial difference to our season whatsoever, I think is nonsense. Do you think on that, that that we've got the wage, or sorry, the transfer fee and the wage balance right? Because that always seems to be something that, so I've seen a lot of noise online that 
people are kind of pointing to, well, why didn't we look at or scout um, Michael Elise from Reading? Or, or why didn't we look at Emmanuel Dennis, who's, who's obviously worked out really well for, for Watford? And the answer in my mind always seems to be, well, actually, those clubs are probably paying better wages. And all right, maybe geographically, they're you know either in London or closer to London. So that might be more desirable for a young footballer. But I always come back to the fact that actually the club that pays the most in terms of wages probably gets the player if there's any kind of competition. We seem to have really gone for it from a transfer fee perspective this season. I don't think anyone could could deny that. And, you know, I'm sure people will point to 11th biggest spenders in Europe or, or you know, whatever that figure was. But have we got it right from a wage structure point of view? And is that something that might be holding us back? And I realise that could hurt us longer term if we committed to higher wages, but just feels like that's something, you know, have we got the balance right? Tom, what do you reckon? Well, I mean, I saw um, some responses to uh, something that, that Jack Reeve put out about Todd Campwell with regards to, um, I mean, they, they sort of went off on a tangent, but they were talking about some bigger name free free transfers that are available that are just the sorts of people that Norwich don't sign because of the wages that come with them. And actually maybe an aging, an aging striker, an aging professional that would be really high on wages, but we wouldn't have to pay anyone, you know, the fee up front. Um, and, you know, maybe they wouldn't accept the the cut in their, their wages. Maybe they wouldn't accept a, a kind of pay as you play or play till the end of the year contract. I don't know. But um, I, I think it goes back to what I said up the top. You, you, we tried, we tried spending a little bit and it didn't work. We tried spending as much as we possibly could. And Matthew makes a great point, um, which is you need nigh on 80 to 90% success rate in terms of player bought to player impact on the pitch in order for us to be able to compete regularly in the Premier League, Um, which is, you know, a big ask for anyone. Um, I don't agree with that, by the way. That you, don't to, but you don't have to, but you don't have to. But I completely agree with Matthew that that, that you do need a, a very high hit rate, um, yeah, or, that's or fair. you can afford a very high hit rate. You can afford to have a lower hit rate on your transfers if more of your championship players step up. If you see what I mean, so it doesn't matter if Sargent can't do it. If Puki is is kind of creating enough chances for himself, it doesn't matter if Rashitsa was a flop. If Campwell hit the ground running and was playing, you know, to, to the best of his ability, we wouldn't need Rashitsa to and be that, as good. That is some mitigation about this season, in so much as we have lost the best two players in yellow shirts last season. You know, for, from this season's lineup, and I, I can't think of a time where we've done that before. I can't think of it. I can't think that we will do that again. Obviously, there's reasons for that. You know, Skip was returning to his parent club, and Buendia, it just wasn't feasible for the lad to stay. But I just, it's such a huge hole that we were left to fill. It was always going to be a hard task, and I think we were bedazzled by the numbers. You know, the money that was being spent, and you know, some fancy names from teams that we'd kind of heard of before, rather than maybe some teams that we hadn't. Um, I think we all got very excited. We all got very overexcited and we thought it was going to be different this time around. But I, the, And the reason that I was just saying that I disagree slightly is I think we would have been much better and I think Leeds probably did this um, slightly better that, than we did when they went up to have a look at spending more money on a couple of higher calibre players to improve the team, the first 11, than actually say signing eight or nine different players and, and then, you know, kind of looking at improving the squad. I think maybe we needed to to trust the squad that we had a bit more. Um, 
but that does rely on, on keeping your better players um, as you go up as well. Do you think culturally it's hard to kick the habit of having in the back of your mind draft and develop style yeah, approach yeah, 100%. For, for going back to the championship? And, you know, and it, it that is the culture very, that, w- yeah. that has been bred at the club. Yeah, so you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, should we t- should we have a kind of um, self-funded model style question? My um, my friend Ben sent me something You've on got WhatsApp. A friend. I've got yeah, well, one you know. So and you, so. I guess I can call you a friend. I don't know. Oh, I know you exist. But... Um, thanks. He's asked, "Is this the end of the road with regards for fans' patience for the self-funded model?" And also a supplementary: Can we see this squad mounting a serious promotion challenge next season without a major overhaul? Um, who'd like to take that question? Well, I'll answer it briefly in in in, and then bring bring our guests in. Firstly, <clears throat> the fans have lost their patience. With the fans lose their patience with the ownership model whenever we're not in the position in the league they think they should we should be in for for more than you know a few weeks. So 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 no, because the the. the until there is a viable option, a viable alternative, until, you know, let's have it right, the lads who cover, the lads on the beat, we're really lucky, at, and we say this again and again, but we are genuinely really lucky at Norwich for the, the, the guys that we've got covering Norwich are, are really good at keeping us informed about the stuff that, let's face it, sometimes the club doesn't want us to, to drill too much into, like the BK8 stuff. Um, and if there was a genuine viable alternative that had been kind of battered back, I, I don't think the guys covering Norwich City locally would have missed out on that. I think they would know if there was someone battered back. I think they would know because at the end of the day, these investors will want to put pressure on getting their deals accepted. We've seen the way that these things tend to work when other clubs are bought. It's very difficult to keep it quiet. You know, you, you know, you don't tend to just hear breaking news. So-and-so club has been sold to so-and-so bidder. No one knew anything about it until this morning. Like that just doesn't happen. So I, I don't think there's until, until you can say, um, Saying Delia out, I mean, is moronic. One because it's it's just a, like a pathetic catchphrase, and you know, it's not just her. And she's yeah, they they've said very clearly that they're not running the club, they're not deciding whether to to buy Sergeant or not. Um, and so that's that's just silly. Saying Michael and Delia, um, you know, transfer your shares to X investment in a fund or this 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 company or this this rich person. Okay, fair enough. I, I'd be more than uh, if there was a genuine alternative. I I, I still believe that the, the the pair of them would be really um, open to the discussion um, of of saying, yeah, well, let's let's make sure the figures work out. Let's make sure that we're not handing it off to someone who is going to harm the club long term. Um, but that, I can co- totally see an argument for wanting them to step aside. Um, if there was someone that we that, that we found out that on a kind of BK8 kind of grounds, they've decided aren't, aren't the sorts of people that Norwich, that should own Norwich. I get then when there would be vitriol. Until there is that viable option that we that at least one of the you know at least the, the Pinkin lads or the EDP lads or the Athletic, and, until Paddy or Michael or someone tells us no, there there is actually a genuine option here. What's the point in getting cross about it? Because there isn't there's no one else. What if they walk away? We, we're even we're even worse. So, you know, they've shown that if we really needed to, a couple of million quickly to balance the books, they'd do it. I'd rather have that than than uncertainty, personally. What about you, Edie? Uh, I think it's really interesting how Delia keeps getting singled out when she's... I know, right? Well, it feels a little bit like, you know, like what makes what makes 
the that M-word. person stands out. It's, it's weird, yeah. that, isn't it? It's the M-word, yeah. I think, unfortunately. And it, yeah, and I think, again, it comes back to this sort of identity thing where I think there are certain people that just want us to just be, like, basically a kind of FIFA game where everyone has identikits, names, and thumbs for heads, and everything's very manly and driven, and you know it, it borders on Alan Partridge. This vision. If you can ask I just me. say though, Edie, the, the latest FIFA 22 has the striped nets, and I was very impressed by it. Oh, carry on. Wow, that's that's <laughs> like a genuine achievement. That <laughs> yeah, I was you hold that happy. in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's the, the whole thing of like Delia out. Uh, what they they want some random mobile phone giant startup owner to turn up and like make it rain on the pitch get three cheers start a massive massive mexican wave and then run off with all the laptops i don't think so but it's it's i've it's that thing of like little wawa baby poos down own legs blames granny thing and it's it's (laughs) it's not a good look absolutely not and i think it's anyone who criticizes delia of all people and singles her out it's they clearly have no idea of history or experience or anything. It's it's just it's just hysteria and it's weird and dumb. Now this sounds really culture wars, but there are certain phrases and certain hashtags and certain you know flags in people's um, uh, uh, Twitter handles. There's little kind of uh, iconography of people who you think once you see that you you then read the rest of the statement or the rest of what they say through a slightly different lens and you think mm, yeah but you said that for me one of those triggers is delia out so if if you are if you say delia out if you if you kind of if, if that phrase is used in any way then you know i'm not going as far as saying we can't be friends um but I, I'm saying that any other opinion on football is therefore I'm not going to take too seriously because you've got a problem with a lady who's done her best and you know you know is not is not in control of you know, she's not at the wheel and it's not just her so it's, it should be Delia and Michael if you're going to do that or Michael and Delia probably more specifically. Um, Matthew, what do you think? Yeah, I mean we're talking about a twenty thirty lads with banners at the weekend the river island revolutionaries um i just don't think that this is a widespread view across the the fan base and they're getting way outsized attention um for it with a 39.99 printed banner so i think to one to, to some extent it's worth us Noting for the record that overwhelmingly, I think Delia and Michael are held in very high esteem for what they've done for the club and for the model that, that we've built and that there's widespread support for that model. One of the questions that we got asked on Twitter, same question, but it was phrased, um, you know, what's your opinion on a big money investor? Should one be found? Should one be found is doing an incredible amount of work there. You know, if you've got money problems and you think the solution here is I, I should win the lottery, you don't have a solution. You know, we, we we don't have someone who wants to give us a tremendous amount of money. And if we did have somebody like that come along, it is very probable that they would come with incredible baggage of either running us into the ground, as the likes of Derby have found, or taking us to an incredibly dark and unpleasant place like Newcastle United have found. And, you know, if you if I had the choice of staying up this season with, you know, being owned by 
um, somebody who murders journalists in consulates versus getting relegated to the championship with Delia as our owner, it's an absolute no-brainer for me because football isn't just about where we sit in the league. It's who we are as a as a club and a, and a group of fans. So, you know, it is gutting that the model that we've got is not delivering the goods we want. But that doesn't mean that there's an easy solution or a solution that we'd want to take if it came along. It's also delivering nearly the goods we want and it's delivered the goods right. of the last few years and um you know we go not to go over old ground literally just from this podcast but you know we need a few things to go right and there's nothing to say a few things won't go right in, in the coming games um and if we can be more fortunate with with the, the covid um situation affecting our specific squad especially the particular players that the injuries and, and covid has affected them um we just got to have our fingers crossed that there is maybe a little bit of a uh, sting of the tail of this of this this transfer window. Maybe someone does go out. You know, maybe Todd does leave, and that that gives us the the money, the wages to 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 sign someone till the end of the season to bang in some goals, or sign someone to add a bit of creativity, or add a bit of steel into midfield. Um, we just have to try and be as positive as we can. Whilst I think, whilst from a points point of view, it is still logistically very very possible. I can't see it at all at the moment. Just purely cannot. Haven't seen enough on the pitch to suggest that that. That, that being four points that basically four points is as good as it's going to get and we're never going to close that gap it's only going to get bigger but it is still possible so with that in mind it is can I just sorry I know on. you're about to wrap up Tom but I just wanted to make one more point and I think um, Matthew saying that there's an overwhelming support for the model and there's there's overwhelming respect I would agree that there's overwhelming respect for for Delia and for Michael and for for what they've built and, and the fact that this has taken the club to um you know, two champ- championship titles to a playoff win at Wembley, you know, all of those things. I think that is undeniable and and the majority of the fan base will be forever grateful for that. I don't include myself as part of the, this, you know, kind of group of fans, but I think there are now increasingly a group of fans who have said, do you know what? It's been brilliant. It's been a real roller coaster. I feel a bit sick now and I want to get off the roller coaster. And the only way that they can see to get off that roller coaster is investment. And so I think they are increasingly coming round to you know kind of the view that actually that's what we need to do and I don't necessarily think it's the right answer and there are so many examples of where it's failed and probably only one or two really good examples of where it's gone particularly well but I think we might just be underestimating that there is a groundswell or there's starting to be a groundswell of opinion to say do you know what time to get off the roller coaster and if they don't start their argument with Delia out, and if they don't include yeah, yeah. that hashtag, then I'll listen to totally another sensible enough. conversation about it. As I say, when there's a viable option, the conversation has to be had, and, not, and I think it will do when, when it is possible. Um, but look, we've got two huge games coming up. Um, Everton at the weekend uh, is an opportunity at home. Um, and let's hope that you know the, there is some positivity and some positive atmosphere going into that game. If I was in and around the club, I would be trying to announce something, release something, suggest something in the coming couple of days to try and get a bit of positivity going um, before the before the game. And then the following Friday, it is huge that Watford game. Imagine if we even got a draw at Vicarage Road, kept them in our sights, kept them within arm's length. That would be fantastic after, you know, obviously losing at, um, at Carrow Road to them early in the season. So enjoy the game on Saturday. Um, we'll be back with you very soon to, to see how we're getting through this busy period of fixtures and, and hopefully we'll have some, some some goals or, let's have it right, a goal to celebrate. Mind how you go. 